March of 2020, my students were asking if we were going to close school due to COVID. I said, no, it's not like we live in the snow belt. Then it was March 13th, schools closed, and the way we do school changed forever. On this show, we're going to talk about the ways in which schools and community have had to pivot and continue to pivot in a constantly changing reality. This is Pivot. Welcome back to Pivot, or if this is your first time joining us, we're glad you're here. My name is Stacy Brown, and today I have some lovely ladies with us to talk about social-emotional learning and some things that they've been learning um, through some training and how that's going to impact our staff and our students. So first, we'll go around and have you introduce yourselves, if you would, please. Um, hi, I'm Kate Bertolet. I'm a science teacher here, but I was part of the social-emotional curriculum development team last year and was chosen to be a part of the curriculum writing team this year. I'm Heather Flake. I'm one of the school counselors here at the high school, and I too was part of the SEL development early on. Hi, I'm Hadley Moore. I'm one of the deans of students here at Hamilton Southeastern High School, and I got involved with this committee due to my previous work on trauma-informed practices and restorative justice opportunities. Hi, I'm Jill McGrath, and I am an English teacher here at the high school. I was also involved in the SEL training and learning committee, and this is definitely something that lights my soul on fire, social-emotional learning. So very excited to be a part of this group. Hello, I am Leslie Calise, and I am a Spanish teacher here at HSC High School. I also co-sponsor our school's mental health club and am part of the social-emotional learning curriculum writing team. So social-emotional learning is nothing new in the educational world. Um, we've known for a long time how important it is to educate the whole child, um, to be aware. And you know, in this time of a pandemic, social-emotional health has become more important than ever. We know that our students are really being impacted by the strain of being in virtual learning. Um, so we know all of that about students. What I want to focus on today is to also talk about the social-emotional health of our teachers. And so um, that's become something, too, that's been really important in this pandemic. So I'm, first, I want you to tell us a little bit about this training that you've been to lately. Like, what is RULER? So RULER is an acronym, first of all. It was developed by Dr. Mark Brackett, who runs the Yale Center for Emotional Intelligence. And it stands for Recognizing, Understanding, Labeling, Expressing, and Regulating Your Emotions. And so um, he's published a book on this topic, kind of diving into all of this. It's called Permission to Feel. So we as a team read that over the summer and were really invigorated by it. It was a really easy way to start, especially with the first three steps, recognizing, understanding, and labeling. There was a really easy tool, which we introduced earlier this year, the mood meter, that helped us start to do that. So we wanted to get something out that was concrete, that could be used right away by everybody. It was easy enough to understand. And we were really excited when we found this and could use it quickly. Tell us more about that mood meter. What is it? So it is a scale um, from what negative five to positive five on the X and Y axes. And it basically measures the pleasantness and the energy levels associated with emotions. So the further right you go, 
the more pleasant the emotion is, the further left you go, the less pleasant, the higher up the scale you go, the more energy is associated with the emotion, and the lower you go, the less energy is associated with the emotion. The emotion. So this is just a tool to help us kind of categorize the common emotions that we feel, and then based on that pleasantness that we're feeling and the energy we're feeling with that emotion, we can be able to name the specific emotions. Yes, and I think that what you said about naming the specific is what's so cool about it because in our society, it's so common for people just to say they're good, they're doing well, or they're doing poorly, they're mad, but they don't really have a deep range of how they are feeling. And oftentimes we don't do very well at recognizing how someone is feeling or knowing how we're truly feeling ourselves if we don't take a moment to kind of stop and label it. So I have a really cool idea. I think we should all go around and say what color we are in at this exact moment so that we are demonstrating the practice that we've been learning. So I will start. I am currently in the yellow because I really love podcasts and I really love social emotional learning and I really love all of these people. So I would definitely say that I am in high pleasantness and high energy, which is a good place to be, I think, for an activity like this. All of these people, including Dr. Mark Brackett, right? I saw your eyes light up at the mention of his name. (laughs) Yes, I I kind of have a thing for for the doctor. Um, I'd say I'm also probably in the yellow right now, feeling a little bit of like nervous excitement energy being here. You can probably hear it in my voice. Definitely being here is making me a lot more energized than it was just me in my office before. So it's important to note when you do make those shifts from uh, in your energy and in your pleasantness, it's important to recognize that in yourself as well as in others. I think I'm probably in the green area. Um, I feel I too feel better being with everyone that's here because I am a listener and not a talker uh, as a counselor. And so I'm a little nervous about being a part of this, but being a part of it with people that understand it and um, walk the walk is uh, is helpful and makes it more comfortable. So I do not know what color I am, but I can share that I do feel that energy. I think I still have a little bit of nervousness. I've gotten a little more comfortable with this whole process, but it is weird hearing yourself on the radio, so to speak, even though I know podcasts aren't the same as radios. Um, But definitely glad to be here. I love getting to talk to people and have these conversations, especially about topics that are are so important like this. Um, Now, the mood meter is something that has been discussed with students. So for our listeners out there, this team here has been developing curriculum that has been pushed out to teachers that um, are then sharing it with students. So SEL has been a district initiative and these folks are on a a team then that takes that initiative from the district and is helping to implement it in our building. So this work is already being done with our students. Talk to me a little bit about how that's been received so far, like whether it's just how the mood meter has gone over with, with kids or some of the other topics. I know you've gotten into like even the brain science behind emotions. How has that been going over in classrooms from what you've seen? I think we started off really strong. You know, people understood the mood meter. It's something that's intuitive. Um, once it's explained a little bit and you see that energy and that pleasantness and you see the names of the emotions, And, you know, I personally still struggle to just naming the emotions and understanding the differences between them. That's something that I want to jump into a little bit more. Like, 
what really is the root of anxiety versus the root of being stressed? You know, those have different roots, different um, causes to them. So what are those? That's kind of my next personal area. But we had a lot of students, you know, high school students are going to take everything and joke about it and tease about it. And so that was some of the initial feedback that we received was they were, you know, kind of joking about it. But to us, that was still a success because they're still using the words. They're still using the tool. They're identifying what color quadrant they're in. And I think teachers are using it too. We had lots of teachers trying to incorporate it even within their content lessons. And then we got into the brain science and that's kind of my area of expertise. I love it. And um, I got a lot of positive feedback, especially from the teachers. I think it might have still been a little over the heads of some of the students, but that's okay. We'll see it more as they continue throughout their high school career and they'll be able to grasp it a little bit more. But just getting them to understand that they are still developing and feeling these things is okay is great. Yeah, I would agree. I think that even the joking, it was like, well, they they heard us. And I... One thing that I had some students reach out to me that I had the opportunity to kind of talk to them more about it was in regards to it's okay to be in the red or the blue. I think that that's something that's really important as we do this work that we ourselves learn as adults that every emotion is okay and it's we're not expecting everything to always be positive and giving the students the permission to feel those emotions and express those emotions and learn from it. I got to give my Disney shout out on that one. Anyone who's watched Inside Out, we know that sadness is just as important as joy. I can echo the same kind of, I mean, it's, it's a difficult thing to be very excited about social emotional learning and how you roll it out has to be deliberate. So there, with COVID, surrounding it, it did make it more challenging and it is continuing to make it more challenging to be consistent and keep the energy up. But I still feel as though that if I were to ask one of my smart period kids, my homeroom kids, um, why we are doing this and why they, what, what the value is, they would know it. I'm not sure if they quite understand its impact yet, but I know that if I were a freshman in high school and looking back, if I were able, would have been able to been exposed to something like this, I think many things in my life might have changed. I would have handled things differently. Let's dig in there a little bit more. Like why is emotional intelligence important? For uh, a student of this age, especially, I think you're faced with brain development challenges in terms of impulsivity and peer pressure, and um, then plus the having a, the social media and all of these things that are pushing you towards a place of anxiety or stress and becoming somebody who instead is um, being not necessarily controlled, but dwelling in their emotions, but instead investigating into why they're feeling the way that they are feeling and how they can get to a place where they can, um, where they can use their emotions to and knowing their emotions to succeed, it can improve academic achievement, it improves classroom community, it improves, improves personal relationships, it improves things in at home. So all of that knowledge um, is transferable in every aspect of life, not just learning grammar of a sentence, 
but learning how to how to live your life with with strong emotional intelligence just makes sense, I think. Well, and Jill, you make a really good point when you talk about it's not just about labeling, but where we're trying to get with them is expressing their emotions and regulating their emotions appropriately. And so in this committee, we've got three individuals who are in the classroom. And so you see firsthand all day long what students are going through. Um, they feel things very deeply, they're adolescents. And so if they don't know how to appropriately express those feelings, if they don't know how to regulate that behavior, then they could find school to be um, a very triggering place for them. Um, and that's, again, where Heather's role comes in as the counselor, that's so very important. And then mine as the dean is teaching the behavior that we wanna see. So when we say emotions matter, it's not excusing behavior that isn't ideal. Um, and it's, it's not glossing over or just putting a shiny, happy face on all this. And I think that's what um, some skeptics might think, that it's all about you know happy feeling mumbo jumbo when really it's about creating not just a more harmonious school community, but a healthy one with high expectations academically and emotionally. Yes, and along with that too, like especially thinking of not just wanting to brush it all off and make it all happy, I think it's important for life. And I think that we, I always tell my kids, my students that I'm, I'm jealous that I didn't get this when I was younger because I am learning it now in my 30s. And I think that a lot of our students without the tools that we are trying to teach them, they numb their emotions or they suppress them in other ways and they don't truly deal with them and learn from them to make the future better so i think it's really important for them to learn and for us as the adults learning too of how to properly process things and express and not just avoid or numb also, um, when we met with our whole committee team just the other day, including the teachers from Fishers High School, and we were meeting with our kind of leader, Brooke Lawson, she shared with us some of the panorama survey data that we have seen. And I know Dr. Borf mentioned it in the video that came out from him earlier this week as well. And we can already see the effects just from spring to fall of what we're implementing. I mean, kids in the spring had been with us, you know, August through March when we went home. And this year they've only been with us for what, um, maybe a month total before we had to go back to virtual learning. And even still, uh, one of the questions that was asked was, if you were to walk into your classroom upset, do you feel like your teacher would care? And we saw a 23% increase in students who answered favorably to that. So this is working. It's even though the kids haven't been with us much, it's working. We're seeing the effects. They're feeling more at home. They're feeling more included. We're building that community. And that's what's important, right? Kids don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Yes. So we know that this is really important for students. We're doing a lot of work directly with students. What does this mean for teachers? You know, so teachers right now are really tasked with kind of implementing these lessons. Like how can we help teachers become more aware of their emotions as well? Like is there, do we feel like that the staff too is kind of benefiting from some of this work? Or like, do you guys have thoughts on where this work could go in a direction of supporting our staff? 
Um, well, a quick story. When I was going through the training, the ruler training, I was reflecting on, there's a, there's a piece where it asks what your best self looks like at work and what your best self looks like at home and what your best self looks like at the gym when I don't look like my best self. I don't think anyone wants to see my gym best self. (laughs) Um, And I realized that my um, best self in colors that I project when I am in the workplace are usually ones of yellow, high energy, and of green, or calming if I'm trying um, trying to help a student through something. But then when I get home, Oftentimes, my attempt to be my best self, I'm put into the red, and I felt like I was abnormal, that everything seemed like I was reacting with anger, and I I said that on one of our discussion boards, and I feel like a lot of teachers and friends that I know are experiencing the same thing, because you are always on in a teaching role, and our coach advised me that that's completely normal, that when we are expected to, to have this yellow, blue um, feeling and try to motivate people all day long and then come home, that energy is kind of drained from you. But she also reminded me that you don't always have to be in the yellow and then the blue when you're teaching either. There are activities that you can do that can, that should put kids in the red because they need to be motivated. And it's okay to take a moment at home to try to bring yourself to a place of calm. So um, I think for me, looking at it from a staff standpoint, if they had the opportunity to go through the same training that I did, it's made me very aware and given me a few strategies, I still need more, of how to make that transition from being here to my home more seamless and just not going to the red immediately, like not always feeling that stress, got to go, 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 go. So I'm hoping that some of my uh, colleagues will be able to experience that. Yeah, I was going to add to that, that I feel as teachers, we're here to help. And we don't often take the time to help ourselves. And we give, give, give. So I think that Jill's right. Like the, our teachers, we need more training with the teachers to not just teach them how to roll this out for our students, but also for them to mindfully think about how this is going to help them and make it a school-wide initiative that is for all age ranges, not just our students. But I'm hoping that the more they get exposed to it, the more they are learning themselves about it as they deliver the instruction, that they will see, oh, okay, I could do that too. It was always our goal and our intention to do more teacher training before we had to roll this out. And then like everything else that spiraled out of control in March, those plans kind of got derailed because now we don't have those typical professional development uh, professional development meetings after school. You know, we don't have that time to sit down with teachers and to help them through this. So instead we're providing things like the recordings and we're there if they have any questions and we're trying to be as supportive as possible. So if you have questions or need anything, please let us know. We're happy to help. What would you say to, kind of two questions here, what would you say to teachers of like why we should make this a priority, like for themselves, um, 
And then, too, I think to the community or to parents of why we want to make this a priority to students. I think you've kind of touched on that a little bit, but, um, you know, those are some of the questions we get. Like, why, why are we spending time on this? We should just stick to math, science, English, whatever. Like, why don't we stick to those subject areas or for teachers? I don't have time to deal with this stuff. I want to focus on my content area. I think from um, my perspective, which is maybe a little different from a teacher, but as a counselor is, if a student is not in touch with and understanding how they're feeling emotionally, they can't fully learn either. They're gonna be worried about other things rather than learning math. And so if they're in a place where they feel good emotionally or they have a connection with somebody they can talk to about how they're feeling and work through it, um, then they're gonna be more ready in the classroom. So I think that's why it's really important. Um, one other thing just to add to that I think that um, it really supports, Ruler really supports the um, solution-focused therapy that can kind of happen in a counseling role at a school where it's not like you have a lot of time for meeting with students. You wanna try to help and then have them be able to go back into the classroom. And so being, for them to be able to like label their their emotions and then express them in a more positive way. I think that helps everybody in, um, you know, the education realm, but also then hopefully helps at home. I feel like we're living in such an emotionally charged time right now that being able to understand the root cause of your emotion is not a skill that you just use in school or you just use at your job. It's a skill you use or can use literally 24 seven. So, for the community members that might have some doubt, I would encourage them to dig into the lessons and look through it themselves and challenge them to see if they can understand why they're feeling frustrated about this and get to the root of that emotion as well. And then we can all work together on becoming more of a community by understanding and labeling and being able to talk about these emotions instead of just getting frustrated and either shutting down or saying something we might regret later. It's shockingly simple. Um, like it's almost overwhelmingly so, and yet it feels like your brain is just exploding when you read this information. Um, and right now as a community, we're going to be coming out of a health crisis, hopefully sooner rather than later. And so with the amount of emotion um, surrounding everyone, I think one of the best ways to heal and come back together and come back to school, again, hopefully sooner rather than later, is to really be in touch with not only how we're feeling, but about expressing that in a, an appropriate, respectful way. Um, and anything that helps our kids helps our community and helps our teachers. Yeah, and I think that it's, it's important during a time like this where the adrenaline has kind of worn off and we're still in this waiting period of, we don't really know what we're doing some days and things are changing. I think it's important to have these tools to validate how all of us are feeling and to not just say, oh, you're doing great, but talk more in depth about, you know, gosh, like this really is hard and how, how are you doing and be willing to listen to the response. So that's my wish for teachers, I think for us just to all understand and and validate how we are struggling at times and that this is hard and it's hard on the students and 
I'm trying really hard with my students. I'm used to being that cheerleader that like, everything's fine. And now I'm like, you know, this, this is hard. And trying to show them that it's okay if it feels crummy, um, but that we'll get through it and still encouraging hope. But I think that it's just nice to understand why we're feeling what we're feeling and try to label it. Um, from a community member standpoint, I have parents, I mean, not parents, I am a parent of um, children who are elementary aged and they have been doing this. And so last year when they came home on the first day of school, my daughter had a temper tantrum. She was in first grade and she went off on her own, came back and said, mommy, I'm really sorry, but I feel like I was not using my or I think my, would it be my amygdala took over? Yes. yes. <laughs> She's like, my amygdala took over. I was like, okay, well, that's a skill that, that I can use as a parent as well. And I feel if a community member or a parent can have more tools to connect with their kids beyond just how are you doing? Fine, great, okay, I'm going on my phone, the better off you'll feel about your parent-child relationship. Awesome. Well, I really want to thank you for taking the time to, to talk about this important work with me today uh, and really excited about the direction that we're headed. Thank you. Thank you. All right. We'll catch everyone next time on Pivot.